The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Thank you for tuning in for this Unity Partner Program. Unity Online Radio partners with spiritual leaders from organizations whose mission and messages complement Unity's. We are pleased to bring you this program on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Main Street Vegan with host Victoria Moran. Victoria is an author, inspirational speaker, and a certified holistic health counselor and vegan lifestyle coach. She's here to entertain, educate, and inspire you on your journey to look and feel amazing, eat extraordinary food, help animals, and create a physical body perfectly attuned to spiritual growth. Now, let's get this party started. Here is your host, Victoria Moran. On last week's program, I mentioned a couple of my vegan mentors, one of them being the comedian and humanitarian Dick Gregory, not knowing that a couple of years later he would leave this life. He said, because I'm a civil rights activist, I'm also an animal rights activist. Violence causes the same pain, the same arrogant, cruel, and vicious taking of life. As a young comic in the 1950s, hardly known outside Chicago where he lived, the gig to book was The Tonight Show starring Jack Parr. But when they finally invited him, he said no. They asked again and again, and he said no, because black comics got to do a set, but not sit on the couch and chat with Jack. It could have cost him his career But Dick Gregory said no until they offered him a place on that couch, changing the precedent for every comedian of color who followed. Dick Gregory was a prominent fixture in the civil rights movement, and in 1968, he ran for president as a write-in candidate. I saw Walter Cronkite flummoxed. Walter Cronkite didn't get flummoxed. But he did, because that election night, for the first hour, Dick Gregory, a write-in, was winning. They said it was a computer malfunction. But to Mr. Gregory, there was no malfunction. There was a prayer function. To him, 
the prayer and fasting on his behalf by thousands of people affected those machines. Fasting figured prominently in his life, first as a tool to end his struggle with obesity, and then as a way to affect nonviolent change in the larger world. I watched his announcement on national TV that he would eat no solid food until the Vietnam War was over. He juiced with some herbal super powders mixed in from his wonderful naturopathic Dr. Alvinia Fulton. He did that for two and a half years until that war ended. In 1974, he wrote Dick Gregory's Natural Diet for Folks Who Eat, a funny title since he spent so much time not eating. In December of 1976, he invited 120 of us to spend a week fasting on water and sleeping on the floor of the Ebenezer Baptist Church Gymnasium in Atlanta. Our purpose was to draw attention to world hunger and how a meat-centered diet exacerbated that. We broke the fast on communion grape juice at the watch night service New Year's Eve, and before we marched with our signs the next day, Dick Gregory gathered us all for instructions. No violence, no insults, no profanity, and no leather shoes because he said the press will be looking for something negative to say. I last saw him 10 months ago at Caroline's Comedy Club in New York. His act was part humor and lots wisdom. It was his 84th birthday. He never retired because things aren't fixed yet. So he couldn't get tired and we can't get tired either. He said, Martin Luther King taught us all nonviolence. I was taught to extend that to the mother cow and her calf. Dick Gregory, Earth lost a genuine star, and heaven just gained one. You're listening to the Main Street Vegan Show, and I'm your host, Victoria Moran. For those of you watching on Facebook Live, thank you so very much. If you want to hear the rest of our wonderful show after the break, we'll be bringing on champion boxer Cam Awesome. And right now we're going to be meeting Professor Spira, the undisputed authority on the first vegan health and diet book, The Mucusless Diet Healing System by Arnold Errett. So I hope you want to join us there at www.unity.fm. If you can't make it for the live show, then it will be up on iTunes and uh, Stitcher. Uh, By early tomorrow morning, you can just Google Main Street Vegan. We'd love to have you. Bye, Facebook people. And to everybody else, I would love to make the acquaintance along with you as someone that I haven't yet spoken with, but who by reputation and website is absolutely fascinating, and that is Professor Spira. Back in 2002, he was a 280-pound, 19-year-old former high school football player who suffered from multiple ailments such as migraine headaches, frequent ear infections, sleep apnea, dry, itchy skin, ear infections, After he'd lost his mother to a terrible string of chronic illnesses when he was in sixth grade, he grew up assuming that he was genetically destined to be sick his whole life. 
but while studying jazz trombone performance at the University of Cincinnati's College Conservatory of Music, he met a jazz drummer named Willie Smart, a.k.a. Brother Air, who told him about Arnold Errett's mucusless diet healing system. And now he's going to tell us. Welcome to the program, Professor Spira. Greetings, greetings. How are you doing? I'm doing really, really well, and I'm so excited to be having this conversation because back in the day, back when I was reading Dick Gregory's book and there were just a few of us and we were all trying this thing out, everybody read Arnold Errett because there wasn't a lot to read and you found what was there. And he had a lot to say that is not old. So tell us, for starters, what is Dr. Errett's mucusless diet? So the mucusless diet healing system is a transitional dietary therapy to gradually transform your diet uh, and in turn transform your physiology to that of a diet that is mucus free, as we call it, or mucus less. Uh, So these are foods that do not degrade into slime, uh, the slimy mess that that we like to call mucus uh, within the body. So when was the book written? So the book was written in circa 1920. I think that the first version of it came in 1920. And then uh, in 1922 and 1924, there some of the editions, those editions are still in circulation. So early 1920s is when the book was put out. Well, I wanted to ask that because I don't think anybody would do real well these days writing a book called mucusless diet you know that's just kind of a term we don't really think about and yet you seem to use it with with great ease why should we be thinking about mucus and having less of it so uh yeah that comes up where people said mucusless what's that (laughs) and, uh, and i thought it was important to really get into that to make that distinction between mucuslessness and being mucus free versus a standard a vegan diet or vegetarian diet that include a, a lot of processed foods and a lot of things that ultimately are mucus forming because there's a lot of people that get on these plant-based diets and they wonder well why am I still uh, why am I still getting sick why am I still blowing my nose all the time or that my allergies are still here I, I, they think they're eating healthy and, and nutritious when they're still having a lot of mucus forming items even if it's plant-based mucus so, the folk, I like to put the focus on mucus free, uh, and, I, and even more so than raw, because I work with a lot of people that uh, were really interested in raw foodism, but they would hit a ceiling because they didn't properly transition and, and, and wouldn't really know what to do. And so it's like, well, take a look at Arnold Errett's methodology. He is talking to you, he's showing you how to uh, gradually transition so that you can make these permanent changes to your physiology. So you ultimately make it impossible to go back. You you make it impossible to go back and eat meat or eat these things you're not supposed to eat. So I know that vegans choose many, many different ways to eat. There really is no vegan diet. But generally speaking, I think most of us are looking at, at fruits and vegetables cooked and raw, whole grains, beans, nuts and seeds, a certain percentage of processed and convenience foods. So comparing that with Dr. Errett and the mucusless diet healing system, what have we got? So the huge difference, 
and the most operative word is system, healing system. So uh, a mucusless diet, if you just look at that, isolate the, that word and look at the that definition, that's going to be mucus-free fruits and green leafy vegetables. So that's that means starch-free and fat-free uh, fruits and green leafy vegetables. However, there's a whole section in the mucus's diet healing system called transition, and there's another section called fasting. And so ultimately the difference is that it's you learn how to systematically incorporate the gradual change in diet, the amount that you eat in a day. Uh, is I, I like to say it's not all about what you eat, but how you eat it. So there is a very effective method of eating. Uh, he recommends eating twice a day. And for me, that, that wasn't really hard to change. Uh, leave off a big breakfast. He's anti big breakfast. If you want to have some juice or something in the morning, that's fine. But then have a couple meals a day instead of grazing all day or having uh, multiple meals. And uh, and there's certain principles that are very, very uh, important. Don't drink while you're eating. Uh, uh, if you're going to have fruit and vegetables in the same meal, have the fruit first, wait 15 minutes, and then have the vegetables. Uh uh, there we also do do enemas during either when we're fasting uh, and some of us do regular enemas uh, uh, regularly. And so uh, so these are things that are different from someone that is just kind of a, you know, a standard. I don't know if there's a you know standard vegan, but, you know, just that is uh, uh, that's not following a, a healing system like this. So. It, it is raw. Can we get that far? Is, is it raw or is it not necessarily all raw? It's not necessarily all raw until you're ready. And so and that's that's why I really, really love this system uh, because it's it's customizable to each person. So if I'm working with somebody that's already raw uh, and that's not a problem for them, then then we're just focusing on, well, how do we remove the, the mucus forming items that's still in their diet. Uh, but with is with where I was at, because I, I had a terrible, terrible diet and I just overeat everything. If somebody would have came to me and said, man, you got to go raw vegan. I'd have just looked at them like, what are you talking about? I'm not doing it, you know, because I, I wouldn't have been able to jump uh, from where I was at into a raw kind of thing but with the transition and with getting the slime out so that's another thing with with us when we, when you're doing the fasting and you're doing the enemas you start to see pounds and pounds of mucoid plaque in in, in this this real thick kind of viscous slime start to come out of your body and you start to realize oh wait a minute all this was this was up in there and i've worked with people that were very very skinny and they started fasting and doing some enemas and they would get pounds and pounds of, I mean, they were having worms and all kinds of stuff coming out too, but they were get, still getting pounds and pounds of waste, even though they thought they, they were skinny. Uh, and so a big part of this is to essentially be eating a diet that perpetually cleanses. So we don't like to think in terms of, okay, I'm going to do a cleanse uh, or I'm a, for, you know, I'm a fast for a few days or something like that. We, you're always cleansing. You know, it's it's a cleansing diet because a natural human diet is a cleansing diet. 
So I remember Professor Spira when I was a very small child. My dad was an osteopathic physician, and uh, that profession kind of changed and started out drugless, and eventually, you know, now it, it's just like uh, being a, a medical doctor. Um, but he got into it at the time when there was still that kind of naturopathic element. And on the back of his business cards, it said mucus forming foods. Mm. And I can remember dairy, milk, which I drank all the time and always had colds. And then it also said gluten. And I thought that said glutton. <laughs> and it meant you shouldn't eat a lot. I guess that's true, too. Right. <laughs> so, so what are the super mucus forming foods? If somebody just wanted to get started, what do they need to get out of their diet? So the worst mucus-forming foods are what we actually refer to as pus-forming. So mucus-forming foods can be broken down into two two different categories, which is pus-forming foods and mucus-forming foods. All animal products uh, that are ultimately are mucus-forming are, we would just call them pus-forming because they degrade down into a very concentrated kind of, of mucus, uh, you know, dead flesh and, uh, and and dairy products and all that kind of stuff uh, that that had blood and tissue that turns into pus. And so, pus forming foods, meat, dairy, those are things that I recommend getting off of as as soon as you can if you have to transition. And that was one thing with I, I did gradually transition. It took me six months to totally get off of all meat and dairy. Uh, it really only took it, it was a couple months, but then there was those couple little straggler things and times when I I had eaten something and I didn't realize I had meat, had some kind of meat broth or something. In it. But uh, but it was six months until I was totally free of any kind of, of animal product. And uh, and so that was due to the it was permanent because I, the way I transitioned uh, where Meat essentially became as appealing to me as Clorox bleach. You know, your your mouth isn't supposed to water when you walk into the aisle that has, you know, the bleach and pine saw. Uh, but there was still I would talk to vegans and they would they would still have this sort of urge to want meat. And they would try to uh, to uh, to assuage that urge with the fake meats. And so I didn't use any of I didn't use the, the the soy protein and the fake meats until my addiction to meat was gone. Once my addiction to meat was gone, then I used a little bit of those items, but I knew that it wasn't going to be something that I would stay on for a long period of time. So a lot of people are off animal products and, and they're eating a, a very healthy diet. The the whole foods plant-based diet is is very big and a lot of people have healed a lot of things with that. And yet there are certain conditions that I, I know for myself don't seem to be touched by this. And and you've mentioned some things, uh, dry itchy skin, chronic constipation, uh, acid reflux, allergies. And so what in the non-animal world is causing people trouble? So uh, I'm, I'm hated for this. You might, a lot of people might stop listening after I say this, but uh, uh, avocados are not really our friend. 
in my opinion. Uh, we can use them for transitional purposes, but as Eric points out, all fats, even fats that are plant-based, uh, cause congestion and, and obstruction in the body and ultimately turn into a slimy uh, kind, of, uh, kind of material. And so uh, eating a whole lot of nuts and seeds, you know, if we're using nuts and seeds, Eric recommends combining with uh with dried fruits such as raisins and so that aids it in the limit elim- in elimination because ultimately even when you're eating some transitional mucus forming foods you don't want this stuff to sit in you so when you apply the system properly even when you're eating these things they move through your in- intestines uh efficiently without sitting there for a long time because the long the longer they sit the more jellified mucusy it gets and then that gets on the walls of your intestines and uh it can start getting into the placking and you know then it gets you know it's not not good uh so that those are a couple of the most popular examples that i, I get a lot of a lot of a lot of hatred for for raining on the avocado parade but uh, i thought you were going to say bread or rice. Well, okay, rice is on that list. Uh, yeah, yeah, rice because they they make bookbinders glue out of rice, and and I'm perhaps speaking from w- within my bubble where uh, some of those bread and rice isn't something that uh, that a lot of people still eat, but they're addicted to avocados. You know, I know some people that eat six or seven avocados a day, you know, some of the raw food right. and things. Well, then then you're talking with a lot of raw fooders because I know a lot more people okay. <laughs> eating bread and okay. rice. So yeah. in, in your your case, you, you read the book. And just very quickly, tell us who Arnold Errett was for people who don't know that. So Arnold Errett was a uh, one of the uh, the first people to really promote a, a plant-based and what we would call today as a, a a vegan healing diet and system, and ultimately say that uh, humans are uh, supposed to eat nothing but fruit or fruit and green leafy vegetables, which is a mucus-free diet. Uh, but he was he was diagnosed with Bright's disease, which is inflammation in the kidneys, and was. Uh, he had went to multiple up to 12 or 13 doctors, some of the best doctors in Europe, and uh, nobody was able to help him. And so he turned to uh, the the kind of primitive naturopathic uh, therapies at the time, and he studied with some of the vegetarianism and a little bit of you know, people that were doing fruit eating. But he never really totally was able to cure himself. He felt better. Uh, when he got more plant based, but wasn't able to cure himself. It wasn't until he started to fast and he just kind of said, no, I'm not going to eat anything. And within two weeks, he felt better than he had ever felt before. And so he realized it's not diet isn't enough. Only fasting isn't going to work if you don't have the diet part together. But Merging the dietary change along with a, as his book is called, rational fasting with a rational approach to fasting, which is the omnipotent uh, healing modality, as as Eric calls it, uh, and I agree. Uh, When you combine those two, that's when we can start to see some miraculous, uh, which not really miraculous, it's natural, but to Mm -hmm. us, because we're so used to uh, being sort of put out the pasture that we, okay, well, you can't be healed. You're sorry. You're just going to be on these pills for the rest of your life uh, to realize that we might have to push a little further than we thought 
or think we should because of our conditioning. But when you start to explore that realm, uh, there, there's a lot, a lot of healing uh, to be had there. And so Eric healed himself and he ultimately started to uh, uh, heal other people. He worked at some sanitariums and he healed countless thousands of people of so-called incurable illnesses using fasting methods and mucus-free diet. And, uh, and ultimately he was from Germany. He came over to uh, Southern California, which is the uh, they called the Eden of the of the West back then to yeah. <laughs> check things out. And he wasn't able to go back to Germany because of World War One. It hit that was right in that time. And so he uh, he stayed in Southern California and started working with uh, had healed somebody named Fred Hirsch, who ultimately became his confidant. Oh, this is cool. You know, I, I can't believe that the time has gone so quickly. I just want to let everybody know that, that for you, you lost 110 pounds. You threw away your CPAP unit, all your medications gone, and now you're helping other people. You're a musician by, by training and, and profession, but you also help people with this. So just give us your website and your social media, and we'll put all that on the uh, Main Street Vegan show notes as well. Sure. It's uh, mucusfreelife.com is my uh, main website. Uh, you can find me at uh, Professor Spira is my fan page. Uh, I got a Pro Spira Facebook account and uh, YouTube channel. Uh, you can just find it if you put in Professor Spira or Professor Arnold Eret. You will see some of my videos. I got a lot of videos out there. Hey, we're going to watch all of them because you look absolutely amazing. And and for people who, who don't know uh, Arnold Errett, if they want to know their veg history, they do need to know him and they can know him through you. And hopefully I will see you this weekend in Columbus at the Columbus Veg Fest. So anybody who's in that part of the world, you can get the full schedule at cbusvegfest.com. Uh, Dr. Pam Popper uh, will be speaking, Chef Del Shroof I'll be speaking, plus we're going to have a whole lot of fun and they got all kinds of amazing booths and vendors. So I uh, hope to see some of you in Columbus, certainly you, Professor Spira. Everybody else, stay with us and we'll be back with Boxer Cam F. Awesome. Unity Online Radio brings you inspiring programs on a variety of spiritual topics. Giving to the network is now easier than ever. Simply text Unity Radio to 72727 from your smartphone. You can make a one-time or recurring donation. Your gifts help us offer enriching spiritual programs that reach listeners around the world. Text Unity Radio to 72727. Thank you for your support. What if you could experience vibrant health, help heal the planet, and be a great friend to God's animal kingdom through simple choices you make at breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Authors Victoria and Adair Moran say you can do this easily, affordably, and deliciously in their new book, Main Street Vegan. Everything you need to know to eat healthfully and live compassionately in a real world. Loaded with practical tips, straightforward information, and fabulous recipes, Main Street Vegan will help you on your journey toward a plant-based diet. 
The perks include more energy, an easy way to keep your weight where you want it, feeling younger as you grow older, and maybe even a boost to your spiritual life. Purchase Main Street Vegan from BN.com, Amazon.com, or your favorite bookseller. Every moment we live can be holy, and all we need to do to experience that state is to make the decision to do so. Everything we do can be a prayer, and by using our innate creativity with intention, in every aspect of our lives, that can indeed be true. Author Carla Kincannon wrote, Creativity is so much more than art making. It is a tool for navigating through everyday experiences to find the sacred in each God-given moment. Discover Creative Spirit, Wednesdays at 4 p.m. Central Time, and experience the joy of connecting to spirit through creative expression. Listening to Main Street Vegan with Victoria Moran. If you have questions or comments about today's topic or any other area of interest, we invite you to follow Victoria underscore Moran on Twitter or email her at MainStreetVegan at UnityOnlineRadio.org. Now, back to Main Street Vegan. Welcome back to the program, everybody. Quick word from our sponsor, HealthIQ.com. Now, they have all these cool quizzes where you can test your, your knowledge of health. But the other really amazing thing that they've done and so helpful for us vegans is that they have teamed with some of the nation's top insurance companies to provide some serious savings on life insurance for some super athletes like our next guest, but also for vegans. The science is there. We do live longer. We do live better. And now there's actually a way to save some money for that. So this is life insurance. That's the kind that um, you get so that your family is taken care of if you are no longer here. And you can find out exactly how much you can save with no obligation by going to healthiq.com slash Main Street for the Main Street Vegan Podcast, healthiq.com slash Main Street, and uh, check out the savings there just for you. We'll also put that information on the show notes at MainStreetVegan.net. I am so excited to be introducing our next guest for a whole host of reasons. One is because I keep reading about him and people have asked for me to have him on, but also because he's in my hometown, Kansas City, got a shout out to the hometown, and because he's a boxer. Now, my dad was a boxer back in Detroit a very long time ago, and my kind of bonding time with my dad was the Friday night fights. So even though anybody who knows me wouldn't think, oh, yeah, this is a woman who relates to boxing, I do, and I'm really, really pleased to be introducing to you, if you don't yet know him, Cam F. Awesome, 
a multi-time heavyweight national champion boxer. As a stand-up comedian, Cam has performed many comedy shows across the country and emcees many events. He's also a keynote speaker on the topic of efficient resilience and how to live life with the focus of a fighter. He shares lessons learned from boxing that can be used in everyday life. He is a proud member of National Speakers Association. He's U.S. National Team Captain and Athletic Director of the USA Boxing Board of Directors. And he's been a big brother for the Big Brother Big Sister organization for seven years. His veganism is five years old, and he is now now legendary in his advocacy of the vegan lifestyle. Welcome, Cam Awesome. Oh, thanks for having me. And that was a great introduction. I would I would wish you just like show up everywhere with me. Like here, meet my friend Cam. Cam is <laughs> Well, you know, as as you know, doing MC work, it's some of the hardest work that there is. And if you don't get your own introduction to the person who's going to be introduc- introducing you, chances are they're going to go to the website and, you know, read your resume. And, yeah, it's just one of the things we learn getting out there in the world and sometimes making mistakes. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And sometimes uh, if I don't get someone's MC, if I don't get someone's introduction, like, right away, sometimes they, like, give me a new revised copy as they're, like, walking on stage. And, <laughs> like, there's some words I'm, I'm not capable of pronouncing. Once you start putting accents on top of words, because, yeah, it gets, gets a little crazy. It, it does. But, you know, th- this wonderful ability to think on one's feet, and my goodness, that's something you have to learn in boxing. And it, it's certainly, a, in, in your case, stretched over in, into the speaking and, and into the comedy. So tell us a little bit of your story. Just give us the background. Uh, I was originally from Long Island, New York, but I call Kansas City home. I lived in New York until I was about 18. I moved to Kansas City in 2008. If anybody's going to do math, that makes me 29 years old. Uh live in uh, Lenexa, Kansas, the outer suburbs of, of Kansas City. Spinach, and capital of the world. <laughs> Lenexa? Yeah. What? I'm here and I didn't even know that. I love spinach. Seriously. I, well, unless they stop doing it, every fall they have the spinach festival. The Lenexa, oh, Kansas think- spinach fest. You know what? It could be a thing. I, I, I'm on <laughs> so much, and I'm when I make it back to Kansas City, I don't go out. Like I just stay in my, I stay in my, in my little place. I just love being at home since I'm never here. Or I spend a lot of time at Black Dog Coffee Shop. Where's day. that? Uh, it's right at like 87th and Flum. Well, I, I yeah, know to people who don't know Kansas City, none of this means anything. But what is interesting yeah. to me is I left Kansas City in 2000, and it has become the most amazing vegan town in that time. So I'm always interested to know where these, these different places are. So go um, ahead. You're, you're out there, and what got you boxing? Um, I actually started boxing my senior year in high school when I was 17, and I joined a gym just... It was the only free gym in the, in the neighborhood, and it happened to be a boxing gym. I never played any sports. I'm not, till this day, not a very coordinated person. Uh, never really very athletic, but I wanted to lose weight 
to take a special lady out for prom because I figured mm-hmm. if I lost weight, like gain some confidence, ask her to go to prom, and then uh, and she didn't even go to prom with me. Probably probably because I didn't ask her. My confidence wasn't high yet, but I just kept boxing. So after I like lost the after like my goal was to, like lose a certain amount of weight. After I lost the weight, I let myself have one fight. I, I had no intention of fighting, but I. I stepped up to the plate and I tried one boxing match and I won. It was the first time I've I've ever won anything before. And I realized how addicting winning becomes. So I just basically Mm -hmm. stopped everything else and dedicated my life to boxing. And you were recently featured in the Netflix original documentary, Counterpunch. I wanted to make sure to get that in so people could see that. So what caused you to go vegan? Uh, I was personal training at the time, and one of my clients came in. Uh, his name was Bill Mackey, and he came and said, "Well, I want to, I want to box. I want to have my first fight." Promise, he's like forty-three. He was like severely overweight, and he had a knee brace on. And like for him to get in the ring, he had to like scooch down because his leg wouldn't bend, and like pull his leg like through the ropes. And he's like, he wants to have his first fight because he's going to lose this much weight. And and he kept telling me about the, this vegan stuff, and I, I have no interest in it. And eventually he just kept coming in, and he was less and less of a physical person. Like, there was less of him physically every time he came into the gym. And he was shedding weight like crazy, and I was kind of curious about it. But in, in the non-vegan world, you're always kind of iffy to ask, a vegan person something because you don't want to be lectured or anything so I never really asked uh, but I was curious and I was always watching what they would eat and uh, sometimes they would tell me about it but then I lost a bet and I with with him it was Manny Pacquiao versus Timothy Bradley and Timothy Bradley is a part-time vegan and uh, and Pacquiao lost so I lost the bet and I had to do the engine 228 day challenge uh-huh. and uh I lost 32 pounds in 28 days with no intention of losing weight. And the diet, it's, it's plant-based, no processed foods, no added sugar, no added salt. And, I mean, the food was just, everything I ate was bland, and it, 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 was, it wasn't good. But your taste buds adjust, and after 20 days, like, I started finding different herbs and spices because I was, before, just like meat, rice, and, you know, salt and pepper but I've opened my taste buds to so many different flavors and spices and then my taste buds adjusted and I realized how amazing the food was and how great I felt and around day 26 I was like I was a little bummed out that it was going to be over and I was like oh wait I can just do it I can I can do it for a little bit longer so I was like I'm gonna I I like the way I feel so I don't want to stop yet so I did a little bit longer and been about five and a half years now. <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. So, so what's your favorite food these days? Ooh, favorite food. Uh, uh, I really like oatmeal with, pe- sorry, peanut butter with oatmeal and raisins. <laughs> okay. I just look for yeah. any reason to eat peanut butter. Oh, that sounds like a good plan. I like peanut butter on apples with dates and romaine leaves. Wonderful, classy lunch. 
though, one, one more way to use the magnificent legume. So do you ever, like, kind of go off and do something a little bit crazier than peanut butter and oatmeal? Oh, yes. Sometimes I get crazy. Well, uh, I, get, I go to uh, Chipotle and I get sofritas. Ah, yeah. It's a tofu blend. Oh, I love it. I love it. I also uh, I also go to Chipotle uh, every day. It's I'm a big Chipotle fan. Yeah, Um, Bruce Friedrich from the Good Food Institute, Chipotle fan. I know that fast food is not the great crowning gem of Western civilization. But Chipotle knows how to do it, and they certainly make it easy for a vegan. So I'm really glad that they're there. So I just want to ask you, from when I first heard about you, I don't imagine your mom and dad gave you the name of Cam Awesome. Maybe they did. Tell us about that. They did not give me the name of Cam F. Awesome. Uh, I wish they would have. It would have saved me $178 <laughs> and some paperwork. But... Uh, Actually, during 2012, I was going through a dark time, and this was around the time I actually lost that bet and became vegan, and I had gained a bunch of weight, but I ended up losing weight with vegan lifestyle. And uh, one thing I didn't mention was the diet entails sobriety. And I, it was for the first time I, I, I wasn't drinking and cleaning up my diet and stopped drinking uh, really gave me some clarity in life, and I decided I was going to uh, change my life around and be awesome. And what <sighs> a better way to do that than symbolically kill off the old me and legally change my name on my half birthday. <laughs> and uh, so I decided to do that and decided I was going to change my last name and I was going to live by it no matter what. Wow. I live and that- be awesome. That's cool. So I understand that you're awesome, and I understand that you're vegan. So let's try to line that up with the boxing thing. I was talking uh, earlier about the the fast that I did a thousand years ago with, with Dick Gregory, and one of the things that he did to keep 120 hungry people <laughs> kind of calm was every night we had these conference calls with famous people. And one night it was Muhammad Ali and he was still boxing at the time. And somebody called out champ, when are you going to become vegetarian? And he said, after I get out of this violent business, I can't be vegetarian and be a boxer. Well, obviously you can, and we have MMA fighters and we have pro wrestlers. So how, how do you do your, ahimsa, peaceful, lifestyle, food style, and a pugilistic sport? Uh, I would say that my boxing style, I don't, I'm not a, a lot of people think of boxing and they think of the brutality and the violence or, you know, just the physical part of it. But what's more intriguing to me than anything is the, the mental aspect of boxing. And I'm not a knockout puncher. I haven't knocked a lot of people out. Uh, I'm fairly successful in boxing, but I'm just not a power puncher. Uh, What I like to do is what I call taking a man's soul. So it's a mental chess game. And 
if every time a guy throws his left hand, I slip, I'll hit him with an uppercut. He throws the left hand, slip, uppercut. He throws the left hand, slip, uppercut. The fourth time he does it, he throws his left hand, I slip, and then I look at him. Now, he knows any time he does that, I'm going to throw an uppercut. So he stops throwing that hand. And then when I do that to his right hand, now he's at the point where he can't use his hands to box anymore. Because every time he uses the hand, he gets hit. And that's like the mental game I play. And usually after two rounds, the person, the opponent, lets out an involuntary sigh. And that is the greatest feeling in boxing because that's his soul leaving his body. So you don't really need to be violent to box. You just have to be mentally stronger than the person in front of you and smarter than them. That is utterly fascinating. So what does it feel like to go into a ring knowing that it almost certainly you're going to be hit. Uh, I I don't know why you would think that. I go in the ring with <laughs> complete certain, certainty that that guy knows I'm a great guy and he shouldn't hit me. <laughs> uh, I, uh, I, I train to not be hit. And uh-huh. when I first started boxing, the reason why I excelled so quickly was because I was completely unrealistic about my abilities. Uh, I don't because I I was boxing. For, I started boxing for confidence, and then I faked the confidence until I didn't realize I wasn't faking the confidence anymore. I love it. No wonder you're were. a motivational speaker. <laughs> but the the issue with that was I became overly confident, and then I wouldn't train that hard because I knew I was going to win anyway. And instead of dominating fights, I would just kind of barely win them. And I look back at the, I would enter the ring, like my first 20 fights. I knew I was going to win. He knew I was going to win. Everyone here knew I was going to win. We just have to go to this dog and pony show. And I look back at videos of, of me fighting and I was like, I was terrible. There was no way I should have been winning these fights. It was just that I was so confident. I actually believed that I could do it. Uh, and that's, that was my secret to winning was lying to myself. So even when I enter the ring now, every day, every time I have a fight, I enter the ring knowing that I'm not going to be hit. Sometimes I get really surprised because sometimes I do get hit. (laughs) What a shocker in a boxing ring. They should, they should really do something about that. How, how dare they? (laughs) Oh, so some people, certainly some people who are interested in, in nonviolence and some of the things that bring us to veganism, just don't even think boxing should be allowed. How do you feel about that? Oh, I think those people are silly. I think those because people cannot, I, I think those people cannot see the idea in the sport. And also if you're at, let's say the cockfighting, those, those chickens, they, they don't, have a choice. Every boxer I get in the ring with makes the conscious decision to enter the ring for whatever their reason may be. Uh, Some guys do it for money. Some guys do it for fitness. Some guys do it for the love of the sport. I mean, to take boxing away, the, the boxing, just what boxing is doing in the inner cities alone, it's teaching kids personal accountability because your coach isn't there at six o'clock in the morning to make sure you wake up to run. But these kids from, they're, they're 
eight, nine-year-olds who are boxing who wake up early. Like, normal kids, you have to wake them up and make them brush their teeth and get them ready for school. Like, these kids in boxing, that's all they know. They're bred to do it. They wake up in the morning. They run. Before their parents wake up, they're back from their run. Their teeth are brushed. So they, they learn personal accountability. They learn what actual hard work is. And the confidence that these kids get from boxing, when a kid goes to judo or karate, the other kids don't really care. But if they know he's a boxer, even if he doesn't do the hitting part, he's just doing the workout, all the kids are like, oh, man, he, he can fight. Don't mess with him. And then that kid walks around with the confidence of someone who can fight. And the best thing I've learned about fighting is that once I've learned how to fight, I no longer want to. I think boxing is a great sport. That's great things for people. And everyone who's in the sport, uh, they, they're, they're there because they love the sport. Aha. Uh-huh. Well, you are a great spokesperson. So in your workshop, Focus of a Fighter, I have two questions here. So one is, what is the focus of a fighter? How can we all adopt some of that? But also, you do this to raise funds for for local youth boxing clubs. So tell us about that too. Uh, the Netflix, the Netflix docu- original documentary Counterpunch, uh, it featured myself and two other boxers, and they followed us around for about two years, which was a weird experience in itself. But <laughs> after the film came out, it shed light on all the underfunded boxing programs, and the only reason why I've started boxing was because there was a free gym. All these gyms are free and the coaches are like volunteers and they're always in rec programs and they're very low funded and they're always in the inner cities and a lot of these programs have been closing down. uh, I had a lot of people reaching out asking what they could do to help support the inner city boxing gyms and I'm always, I always tell people to uh, volunteer at the gyms and because we're always looking for we're always looking for volunteers at the gyms and, you know, also they need finances. Like a lot of these people don't know that boxing is even in their cities. Uh, so I'm here. One of the, the best boxing gym in the country is the Turner Boxing Academy, which is in Turner, Kansas, which you're from here. And uh, I bet you didn't even know that, right? Didn't know that. Like, no one knows. So what my plan was is I would do these boxing-themed motivational workshops, 90-minute workshops, and have people from the city, from all around the city, come into the inner city to the boxing gyms and bring awareness to the boxing programs. And then I donate a portion of the funds to uh, the LBC, the local boxing community. That's wonderful. I've just started yeah. that a few weeks ago. Yeah, I've done a few of them now. Oh. Well, I, I certainly couldn't start the show with Dick Gregory and not ask you about your stand-up comedy career as well. I guess my first question is, what's scarier, walking into a boxing ring or walking up on the stage at a comedy club? Oh, what's scarier than all of that is walking into a uh, middle school auditorium to address all of the middle school kids. Yeah, the that's... The only thing I'm afraid of in the world is middle school kids. <laughs> they don't have empathy, and they... Ah, yeah, they're, they're scary. But I would say uh, comedy is a little more scary than, than uh, boxing because you don't know what you're going to get. 
I know yeah. who I'm training for. He's only got two hands. But when you're in, at a comedy club, you know, people could be not, people could be like too drunk. You could have hecklers. Uh, the more society is getting more and more sensitive on certain subjects, and you're, you're asked to basically make op- have observational humor and discuss things that people could relate to, but there's always someone that can kind of feel offended, even though it's a joke. And, you know, when you get caught up in, you know, the lights are on and, and you say something in, in a split second without thinking because you're supposed to be think quick on your feet, and now someone in the crowd's offended, and it just, the whole show just goes to the toilet. But you can't get off stage because if you have to perform 30 minutes and it starts going bad at minute seven, guess what? You've got 23 more minutes to stand in front of a bunch of people who do not want to see you. And that is a scary feeling. And yet when it works, there, there's nothing more thrilling than making people laugh. Oh, it, it's such a high. Uh, I'm even as a speaker, it's it's the best best part. <laughs> it's one thing to have somebody say you changed my life. That's that's another level of it. But just to have everybody laugh, you know, you you've lifted people. It's so cool. So, Cam, what advice would you give yourself at ten years old? Change your name immediately. Don't let anyone tell you what to do. If you want to stay up late, you have to deal with the consequences of waking up tired. Don't chase a dream if you're not willing to deal with the consequences of catching it. And talk to strangers because maybe they're not all that bad. Oh, I love that. I love that. I have decided that, that my role for peace on earth is I just talk to everybody. And my husband is quiet and reserved. And I know that he is internally rolling his eyes almost all the time we're out together. But I just think it's so, so important to connect with people because we're all connected I, anyway. So, so I, yeah, I, I hate strangers and I can get rid of them if I get to know them. <laughs> that's, oh, that's great. That's tweetable. I think I'm going to tweet that. Well, we have a lot in common because I tend to think in tweets, too. When if I listen back to episodes of this show, I'm always saying to people, no, that's a tweet. There's one for you. So Famous last word. What do you want to leave people with? Be awesome. <laughs> and and in all seriousness, how does one do that? Give us three tips for going from ordinary to awesome. I would say all it takes is acknowledging your insecurities and working towards being secure. Uh, that would be one. Two, no one's going to love you if you don't love yourself. Three, work hard to make yourself better so you could love yourself and other people can love you too. That is absolutely beautiful. I can hardly wait until you are coming to New York to do one of your fabulous performances. So I would love to uh, go eat some vegan food with you and get better acquainted. Yeah, I'd love that. I'll well, thank at, uh, you. If, will you be at any of the Veg Fest coming up? Yeah, yeah. Which ones? Uh, well, I'll be at Columbus this weekend. Uh, I'll be in London this fall. We'll we'll be in touch. Oh, okay, awesome. 
Okay, and then the Awesome Talks is is the business that we're looking at here. Celebrity Sport Speaker is Cam's website. He's Cam F. Like Famous Awesome on Facebook. (laughs) So we can all get acquainted. Remember, too, Professor Spira, MucusFreeLife.com, and we'll put just all that stuff on the Main Street Vegan Show Notes. Thank you all so much for listening. Thanks to Unity Online Radio and our engineer, Jeff Comfort. And to everybody, God bless you. Eat your veggies. Thank you for listening to Main Street Vegan. Join us every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Central Time as Victoria Moran entertains, educates, and inspires you on your vegan journey. This program is sponsored by Main Street Vegan. To learn more about Victoria or to explore training with Main Street Vegan Academy as a vegan lifestyle coach, go to www.mainstreetvegan.net. That's www.mainstreetvegan.net. of spiritually conscious living start now for a time-tested method to live with purpose and release your infinite potential tune in to the yoga hour living the eternal way with yogacharya ellen grace o'brien every thursday morning at 10 a.m central 8 a.m pacific only on unity online radio the voice of an awakening world Haven't we all stood on the bank of a quiet pond and tossed a stone into the water? Haven't we seen the ripples move outward from the place where the stone entered the water until the whole surface of the pond danced with the movement of energy? Before long, we could no longer clearly see the point where the stone entered the water. My inner environment of thoughts and feelings behaves much like a pond. When I introduce a thought of peace into my mind and heart, that single thought creates a ripple effect. It really does change the world. From its beginning point within me, peace ripples out to fill my inner world and continues to move out into the world around me. Peace can begin with me. To find a Unity Church near you, please visit our website at www.unity.org. God is formless, yet takes many forms. What goes around comes around. Chant the name of the Lord and be free. No one comes to the Father except through me. Ever been confused by the variety and apparent contradiction within world religions? Join Reverend Paul John Roach every Tuesday for insight into those principles held in common by all the great religious traditions in world spirituality, exploring the unity within all cultures and faith traditions. Using discussions, interviews, humor, insight, and practice, Practical advice, we will clarify the confusion and reveal simple yet profound truths. Call in with your questions and ideas and help break down the barriers that separate us from one another. That's World Spirituality with Paul John Roach, Tuesdays at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern, here on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world.
benefits of spiritually conscious living start now. For a time-tested method to live with purpose and release your infinite potential, tune in to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien, every Thursday morning at 10 a.m. Central, 8 a.m. Pacific, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Do you ever feel that calling that you should be doing more with your life? If you're unhappy with the status quo, I can help. My name is Elias Patras, and I'm an intuitive motivator, psychic medium, and motivational speaker. I know that feeling, and on my podcast, Your Inner Voice, I can help you answer that call to step into your life's purpose. I will show you how to recognize and listen to the signs and signals that are all around us and help you tap into your intuition. Join me for the show here on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network and wherever you get your podcasts. Let's connect, educate, and grow on this journey together.